0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, your Week in IndyCar guest episode, our second guest of the week, Scott McLaughlin, our man, two-time defending Australian Supercars champion winner, the 2019 Bathurst 1000. Tell you, for a guy who's still mid-ish 20s, this cat is cleaning up And if you look at his win last week, what, two weekends ago? No, Saturday? I'm losing my mind. His win last weekend at Barber with the IndyCar iRacing Challenge. Then adding another eSports win with the Supercars version as well. This guy's kind of making waves in real world, virtual world. And I have a feeling that when we do finally get Scotty in an IndyCar for a proper motor race man uh it's going to be hard for team penske to let him go back home can't wait cannot wait to see what he can do thanks to scott for (laughs) taking some time where he frankly probably wanted to go to sleep his body was telling him to because he was up in the crack of dawn in order to partake in the iRacing practice session with the full field at michigan international raceway which is saturday's event so we were meant to do this interview at about 8 30 in the morning his time it ended up going off at about 7 a.m and this is after rocking things out in iRacing so good on him i enjoy the conversation but i enjoy every conversation with him just really personable guy very humble guy and you can tell as we start to get rolling here in the conversation Just really wanted to say thanks to you. Thanks to everyone that has embraced him. I don't know if there's going to be a bunch of thanks come next year. If things go the way I anticipate and him possibly being in a seat, one of his current team Penske drivers is occupying. uh, I just really hope team Penske decides to go to four cars so that everybody gets to keep their seat and we get to add Scotty to the mix. There's just something here. There's absolutely something here that is unique about him and looking as well-studied as he was in spring training at Circuit of the Americas, then as quick and as capable as he was in his first oval outing just a few days later at Texas Motor Speedway. Again, there's a reason Team Penske is wanting to go racing with him to get a feel if he could be a future superstar here knowing what he's already done for djr team penske down under great thanks to cooper tires and the justice brothers for their continuing support of all that we do especially during this bizarre lockdown seems like we've actually been closer and gotten closer than ever so huge thanks to them similar with our dear pals at torontomotorsports.com that do all of our t-shirts and stickers and all kind of the fun stuff that we do plus everything else that they sell and then also bell racing helmets usa for keeping our brains safe and happy so that's what we got for you here your questions were awesome as always family so thank you as well for making this show what it is which is just a great part of my week and since we do have a bit of time on our hands now I'm hoping you are enjoying the shift to two guest episodes per week. We had our man, our fine, fine man, Mark Blundell here a couple days ago. Some great stories, if you haven't listened to that one yet. Just knocked out the listener Q&A where you had some brilliant stuff as well. And then there's plenty more good stuff here ahead with our man, Scotty McLaughlin, all driven by you on our Week in IndyCar guest episode. Let's get rolling with our man. Scott McLaughlin, you are up early, my man. I just spent, I don't know, an hour watching you and the other animals practicing at Michigan International Speedway for Saturday's IndyCar iRacing event. Uh, You've never done an IndyCar oval race, and yet you seem to be one of the smarter, saner people in the group. What has this experience been like, man? Because you see guys that have won the Indy 500 and all kinds of things just driving like clowns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I look, I, I've done a lot of iRacing oval stuff. So I sort of half understand the lag and, um, you know, they call it neck code. So it's basically when you hit someone without actually hitting them, but it's just shoot the lag. Um, so you've got to be like a lot. Smoother, I guess, and very aware of, you know, it'll almost be too safe um, in regards to how much room you give someone. Um, but yeah, in regards to getting up early and stuff, I think I said to you off the phone, off the line, like I, if it was the gym, um, I mean, I probably my earliest is probably six, but I'll get up any day, any time uh, for an I racing event, and uh, I had a lot of fun then. It was a good time.
0: One thing that was really interesting was listening to the spotter that you had, right? Wow. I mean, (laughs) I'm almost thinking we need to enter an extra car because you want to talk (laughs) about somebody who seems to be making wiser decisions than most. I mean, just in a general sense, share with folks what this virtual oval introduction has been like. I mean, I know you did the test at Texas, but in terms of actual competition, you've got some smart people, man, helping to uh, get you towards the front.
1: Yeah, so obviously, um, Jonathan Duguid, my engineer in, um, in real life, he's, he's still around. So he's, um, here helping us with fuel and tyres. But I've got, uh, TJ Majors. Um, so he's, uh, Joey Logano's, uh, spotter in NASCAR currently and, um, was a spotter for a number of years on our racing, and also helping Dale and Art Jr. for a number of years as well. So he, he knows, um, how to work it. And, and, uh, I've known him, she's old and known him for about five years. So I'll just talk to him, um, off and on, on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. And, um, he's a great guy and has always been really interested in helping me out. So, um, when the sort of oval chance come up, obviously in the IndyCar challenge and the iRacing stuff, like what better way to learn how to race an oval than use a guy with that much experience with spotting and, to position the car. And and I think it showed in that race. If anyone saw the practice race on my Twitch, it was sort of one of those deals where it was just all about positioning and saving the tire for a long run. and, And he, um, he had it really set up for me really well.
0: That's been the impressive part, which is again, you're learning this stuff in a virtual capacity and yet the decision making, the mindset that you're applying here, it just, yeah, I can't wait for you to do your first IndyCar oval race and more i think your approach to it is going to end up being exactly what you need to go forward well let's jump into some questions here mate this is a listener driven show and thanks again for uh, making some time very early early where you are uh for our weekend in Car guests uh and listeners good. here oh good uh so we're going to stay so in the honest. the i-racing front because this is certainly something folks are loving your twitch feed i've been i've been watching it, and i badge you every now and then um when you're on there <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, before we start, I just want to say, like, uh, uh, everyone that's been a a fan or or contacted me through Twitter and social media and stuff, everyone's been so nice from the IndyCar side. I just want to say that uh, everyone's been really welcoming and not uh, against me or anything like that. So I really appreciate that, and and some something that I'm really excited to get over there one day, hopefully. Um, and that that you know, I just yeah, I just want to say thanks for letting me in. (laughs) Well, this
0: will be fun. The re you need to understand the reason why we have been just bombarded with that deplorable person from down under Will Power, for so long. <laughs> we're like, finally, we got like a nice good guy. Who's talented, not just a terrible speaking of terrible again. we'll see, look, this is a really informal show. <laughs> Does the fact that power like freely and just love it just loves terrorizing uh, other drivers oh. through the group chat. You are just constantly laughing or saying, like, mate, tile it down. But what is that like? Because you yeah. don't get that in a normal race of other drivers just crapping on you in your ear.
1: Oh, it's so funny. I, I love racing with Will and purely just to listen to his radio. He is so hilarious because he's so intense on in the race, like, like ridiculously intense. And he will call anyone out i don't care it could be rp in the next car and i reckon he would curse you know it's it, it, he is so competitive with his drivers and then he'll come off the track and be like oh that was a good race man good job <laughs> you know like it's um it's it, he's a he's a unit i, I love the guy and uh, he's um he has been a great help to me but it's so funny listening to him on the radio oh my god
0: if you haven't been called a wank a wanker by our <laughs> man Will Power during an I race you, You're just not doing it right. And I also love... Have mean, you
1: ever lived? Have you even lived if it hasn't happened? See? I don't think
0: so. <laughs> and, I mean, we've, he's calling Sage Caram a wanker. And the thing is, is we know Will's hyper-competitive, but we also know that he's a you know bit of a shit disturber. So you know there's part yeah. of there's a little bit of needling and fun behind it. And then watching the reaction of people like, "Uh, oh, uh, well, hey, you don't need to say that." Bourday, our man Bourdais, was like, "If we're going to insult people, then we be, we're going to have to stop this." And I'm like, "Mate, you're just you're missing the point here."
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it, funny. There's a little button uh, that you can push to mute everything, and then you should be right. <laughs> but I just listened to it for some some uh oh, some amusement. I was laughing 360 60 kilometers or 200 whatever it is miles and uh it was just it was so fun it sort of breaks up the uh the the seriousness of it that's for show.
0: Sure. Uh, he's he's a monster but the best well, let's uh start off here with our man Paul Trahan who says hey congrats on the win last weekend at barber. He says does this make you feel any more confident when you get you get a chance to do this in a real race? And you got a couple of other folks saying hey love your twitch feed, really appreciate your approach to race strategy and the decision making and so on. How much value do you put in this? Is there any real takeaways you can take from this?
1: Um, no, not 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 really. I'm still obviously a a, a, a rookie when it comes to you know eventually having a crack and a race when it comes. Um, uh, look, I, I'm pretty serious about it. Um, I'm, you know, like the the amount of effort I've put in to make sure I'm fast and got good fuel numbers and um and all that sort of stuff. But it, look, the the win- was cool. It was probably more satisfying because I put a lot of work in on strategy with Jonathan to make sure that we got it right, and we did something that was completely different to basically everyone. So um, that that was probably more satisfying. And then I'm really enjoying, uh, you know, building a relationship with Jonathan and now TJ, and and um and and just learning different facets of Indica. But I know I'm no strange. I'm I'm going to be a stranger when it comes to uh you know my first race and all that sort of stuff but this is all just little learnings that i can learn even just little tracks like you know learning barber track i know that like the back of my hand now because of the metal of side turns. turn so it's uh, like stuff like that that is it's really nice a
0: couple more i racing or sim racing related questions one from our pal jordan darwin curious if your previous experience at coda either in supercars or any virtual lapping you might have done helped when uh, we were at spring training. And then uh, John Richter is curious, as a, a longtime iRacer, how many North American tracks have you been able to drive and you know, cross off that list so at least you would know them if you get a chance to race on them?
1: Um, I've raced, uh, what was the first question, sorry, Marshall? Uh, first was, one was just was- whether
0: any of your, uh, your V8 or virtual experience at Coda helped you get up to speed during the uh, spring training test.
1: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. That 100% that was, um, look, it's completely different speeds, uh, aero package, obviously, um, you know, is a lot more aerodynamic force. Um, so, but knowing even just little things like knowing where to go, like drive into the track. Oh yeah, i got to go through the tunnel to get through to the other side of the track. And like, I don't know, just like little things that made me feel a bit more at home. um, that was definitely a good thing. Uh, then further to that next question is is I've raced on yeah I'd have to say a lot of the IRacing track I've got every, every track on the IRacing it, service service um, but yeah like Virginia and uh, what what it was the other I've not raced um. I have raced on Portland, uh, but I've raced on um, Sonoma. uh other tracks that we go to? I know Long Beach is on there, but it's just a tech tra- track. Laguna Seca, I've raced there.
0: What about Road uh, America, um, yeah,
1: uh, Elkhart Lake? that's Yeah, one. Road America, yep. Yeah, oh. I love that track. That's an amazing track.
0: See, this is going to make it easy yeah. for you in the... Hey Roger, come on! You know, at least you can say, "Look, I'm not guessing. I've actually spent time preparing and iRacing. eye racing." You're
1: two ones. A- are left at Road America, right? Nah, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you had No, no, that right hander. It's all good. <laughs> that would
0: be hilarious. Uh, let's uh, let's go to uh, some V8 questions here. Thankfully, and my passion for V8s remains. I haven't been down under for. I think about six, seven years to cover a race, but man, uh, I love the couple years I was able to, uh, let's see. Vincent Anderson says, do you wish Americans knew more about the supercar series? Uh, and I don't know if you can share for what kind of reaction you've gotten from the crazy folks here in my home country, but how, what kind of level of supercar questions do you get from folks over here?
1: Oh, like your general questions, like, uh, just the horsepower and all that sort of stuff. And I think the, you know, American folk they, they love the, that we flat shift. So we've got the shift cut mechanism in oh, our yeah. in our gearbox. Sounds really cool. You know, it's seven and a half thousand revs, and you just pull you just pull flat through uh, the the gears uh, every up up into sixth gear, which is unreal for a touring car. A really cool thing, and it's when it's not a paddle either. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, look, I uh, get you know, a range of questions, but I, I wish that um, we raced maybe like when we raced that texas race in 2013 we had a a huge amount of support from everyone and i remember the end of it everyone's like oh i can't wait for you guys to come back because originally we had a five-year deal with koda and that all sort of changed but um that i was so excited to come back and um get amongst it And, and and austin was an amazing place and um i just yeah i i wish we could just I think if we raced there physically, it'd be a lot easier to build fans across there. But, um, I think, I think we do still have a pretty good presence, uh, yeah, in America regardless.
0: Another question on the V eight topic, which I don't know how much you can answer. Cause it involved having driven a ton of other things, but a uh, friend, Carlos Villalobos asks, Scotty, do you have any idea why driving a supercar, uh, so quickly is such a specialized thing? And I guess that's maybe piggybacking from some of the guests or international drivers that have come come in uh, in recent years who, you know, those who can spend more time can figure it out, but it certainly seems like what we had with Hinch and Rossi at Bathurst last year, boy, you're not going to turn up and figure this out uh, in one weekend. What are some of the things that make getting the most out of a supercar challenging?
1: Well, first off, I think for James and Alex last year, that, I mean that was tough as it was. That team really isn't, uh, you know, uh, amazing right now with the package that they had. Um, so the 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 main guys were really struggling. And then on top of that, you've got the toughest track you could literally debut on. So personally, I actually think they both did a really solid job. Um, but it's just it's just tough to run at the front. Um, but I guess the biggest thing I think people struggle with is the the supercar is is so overpowered but undergripped it's very uh, it's a small tire it's the same tire front and rear so the diameter um or the surface of the the tire is um that hits the road is the same front and rear um the aero balance is now there's aero being taken off but you know that it's quite I guess it's not like a DTM car, it's probably a little bit better than an ASCAR but uh, you know, a lot less than a DTM German touring car. Um, and it's the way that you've got a brake. So you've got you've got a blip on the down change, you know, you've got a either left foot brake or your right foot brake. Personally I think right foot brake is better uh, better in this car. Which is tough to do. Especially Especially when you've come from an open wheeler background that, you know, you've left foot braked since you're, uh, you know, you're in go-karting. So um, for me, it took me a number number of years to be confident with braking deep and being able to pull it up and, and getting through the gears. Um, there's a bit of an art to it. And once you get it, it's just like it clicks and it sort of goes. But um, yeah, I think people do struggle with the braking and, and the overall grip of the car for how much power it has.
0: Another question here uh, on your home championship. Obviously, not your manufacturer in the question here, but would love to get your perspective as the uh, reigning two time champ. This comes in from Darus Lars. Says, bit off topic for IndyCar, Scott, but what do you think supercars will look like after Holden's exit is complete? And I mean, for those who don't know, this is like hearing Chevrolet is pulling out a NASCAR kind of thing. Like, this is bedrock manufacturer mm. support. It was huge. It
1: certainly rocked the um, supercars world. And then obviously the COVID-19 stuff's happened. So it hasn't been a great start to the year for us at all. Um, Personally, I hope General Motors still keeps uh, some sort of stakehold or or they come to an agreement with Chevrolet to run the Camaro um, in Australia. I think that would be cool to go up against the Mustang 2-2 door. Um, You know, supercars would be cool. Um, But... I guess in some ways the yeah you know, the, the Holden um, drama was yeah like you said it was it was a huge um, dropout like Chev dropping out of NASCAR. Um, Holden's been it's either been Holden or Ford in Australia for 60, 70 years, um, and it's it's uh, yeah it was, it was pretty sad. But look, I think ideally you'd love to see the Camaro come in. Um, you know, there's a lot to go go on, a lot of water to go under the bridge. Uh, I I believe something will you know will happen, but this is probably the time we need to, you know, open up our sport to other manufacturers and maybe change the original philosophies of the sport of you know going down you know uh, four door options and all that sort of stuff and, and maybe you know allowing like a like a coupe type you know championship but still keeping the original DNA of the sport. I think um, you know we probably need to start. Thinking about that, Brian Solman.
0: Absolutely. Let's move to some questions on the topic of why IndyCar. So our man David Zitterbart, Doug Holtzman, Chris Alfby, William Matson have all asked questions orbiting around why IndyCar instead of NASCAR. And there's one or two in there. Curious about how you got the conversation rolling with uh, Roger and Tim Sindrick. Uh, that led you towards IndyCar rather than NASCAR. So I know you've been asked this a number of times, but at least for our listeners, yeah. how would we get you an open wheel, mate?
1: <laughs> well, I've always been an IndyCar fan. I've told you that a number of times, and I've I always looked at it, and I never thought um, the reason I sort of was always going down the NASCAR route was purely because of um, I just thought that's you know what they would expect of me or, you know, Roger and um, t- Tim wouldn't probably consider me an open-wheeler racer just with my experience, my lack of experience. Um, so that was probably, you know, for the start, why NASCAR was probably more on my radar. Like I've said before, I'll drive anything. Um, and at the, the time, the, the IndyCar schedule, looking at it, um, for me, I feel like it allows, it's a, it's a, a, a nice lifestyle, um especially you know newly married for me and um you know obviously wanting to have kids one day and all that sort of stuff i think looking at the future it's sort of you know a um a, 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 i'm a bit more at home if i if i did end up full time or whatever so and your wife um, is from
0: the east coast yeah
1: Yeah. she's from new york she's from long island new york um so she uh yeah obviously um it's it's yeah, she doesn't. She loves Australia, but she's never she's never pushed for me to come back. But you know, always loves you know me being home and, and all that sort of stuff. And and I, I know I love being home. I love playing my golf. I love having a bit of a lifestyle away from the, the racetrack. And and um, I think the NASCAR is just really full on. I'm looking into it. And um, yeah, and I, I I've always personally loved a lot of grip, a lot of power. I've loved aerodynamic cars. Um, so when I was able to, you know, get that chance at Sebring, um, I loved it straight away. And I guess the conversation started, uh, sort of after Bathurst sort of last year. Um, you know, I always wanted to take, as a team, we wanted to take the goals of winning Bathurst in a championship. We obviously won cham- the championship in 2018, but hadn't won Bathurst. So when we won Bathurst in 2019, um, it wasn't long after that before we started talking like the future and what I wanted to do. And, um, yeah, the calendars sort of worked out for the, you know, obviously earlier in the year for the Indy May race. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that was originally our first scheduled, um, stop. And, and I, I, uh, you know, was seriously excited, but to have the opportunity to go over and do it right and go to Coda and then, then Texas, eventually, um, you know, it, it's been a really good transition. I think, um, you know, hopefully I can do more.
0: You know, follow a bit of a piggyback onto that. We have uh, someone else who is asked, and I apologize. I am looking for their submission here. Um, Amanda Bauer. Uh, she asks, "The IndyCar paddock seems like a tight knit one. How many drivers do you know well now, and how does it differ from supercars?" I don't want to so much get into the supercars that if you know people are acting whatever there but uh, it is interesting to view externally scott that it does look like just about everybody imaginable all the names you would have been watching from afar at whatever races seem to have embraced you as one of their own and you've done you know two or three tests and some eye racing Uh, what has that been like again some of the folks that you don't maybe truly know but they seem to treat you like a brother
1: yeah, it's, um, I definitely find IndyCar is probably, uh, they've been really open with me, all the IndyCar drivers and stuff, even at the media day and stuff that we had at Texas. Um, the, everyone was really nice. I, you know, there's some people that i would looked up to, like Ryan Hunter A, or watched for a number of years. And obviously I know Scotty, but, um, you know, Ed Carpenter, uh, Graham Rahal, you know, people that I've watched for a number of years in, in the sport, um, you know, they were really welcoming and, and, and basically said, welcome, man, and, and looking forward to it for you, and congratulations over in Australia, and that was really cool, but I, to be honest, when I turned up to Austin, uh, to the track for, like, driver's briefing, um, you know, I was... I was like my first day of school, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty nervous. Like I was pretty like, uh, just kept a pretty low key. Didn't really know where to sit. Just try to look for my team or for friends that I knew and sat down next to them. And then, um, then worst cases, like Roger, Roger, was there when I was sort of walking in and, Obviously, I had to see him, but um, I was I was all pretty nervous when I saw him as well. So it was funny. It was like I said, it was like kind of like starting school. But yeah, you know, like everyone's been really good to me, and like you said, Marshall, the you know they have embraced me in some ways, like um, you know, testing and even doing this IndyCar challenge. You know, talking to them and they're talking to me or whatever, and, and that's that's been really cool. But for me, you know, they're competitors, you know, and and um, they'll do. Everything to be in my seat and and or in my position and and I've always looked at it from that that um that perspective as well in supercars that you know you're only as good as your last race and the, the guy next to you who's been your best mate and the opposition team would love if he could get the opportunity to drive your car they'll they'll do anything they can to do that so for me I, I've always tried to separate myself from being tremendously friendly outside the racetrack. When I get to the racetrack, I'm respectful and I say hello to everyone and and whatever. But after it that I try and really try and separate my life and, and um have friends outside of it rather than you know inside, which is I think really worked for me the last few years.
0: One last thing here to inquire, maybe looking back the other way, so we see how you have been embraced by the paddock. We also have to say that our friends at Team Penske little bit of a leap of faith, obviously great belief in you based on the success you've delivered down under, but you know there was a, a question mark of course we'll see what this looks like we don't know, but we'll we'll give Scott the opportunity. what kind of reaction have you had so far from r p or Tim uh, just through testing again, I know we haven't done our first race yet, but what kind of reaction have you gotten from them on the all right well, we didn't know exactly what we we're going to get, but looks like you're you know, absolutely swimming at the same speed as everyone else. Have you gotten the kind of feedback from them yet? Or are they playing it cool?
1: No, you know what they're like Marshall. They they, they played a pretty straight bat. And pretty pretty played a pretty cool. Um, I i absolutely uh, after sort of the CODA test. Uh, speaking to Roger, you know, um, he just was excited to hear my thoughts on the IndyCar car and and um, what I'd like about the car and like how was the the team that i had around me and obviously he's so big on um people and and having you know such a close-knit team um so i, I did my best to fit in with the guys that he, he put me with and and um they're, they're a great a great group of people um but yeah no they, they keep their cards close to their chest which i like um i'm just i just know the job i need to do and and um you know that's drive a car learn drive a car fast and and um keep safe and um you yeah, know i think you know i've appreciated the way they've gone about it the amount of laps they're trying to give me and um the people that put me with because they're very experienced i mean for instance you know putting me with jonathan dogood i've um learned so much the last you know the last little bit with him and um you know how to approach things and he's a really calm figure and you know that they do everything for a reason, and 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 put people with each other to build people up, and and uh, you know it's a credit to them, and that's why I guess they're such a tremendous motorsport team.
0: I love it. All right, we're going to move to a fun one here from our pal Jeremiah Morrell. So Scott, how horrific is your travel calendar? He says races on the calendar, and then off again now with the uh, the coronavirus. He also asks, does Team Penske do all of your logistics for you? Are you up on Expedia late at night rebooking Qantas flights?
1: (laughs) No, thankfully they do all my travel for me, which is really nice. Um, Everything's sort of sorted. I've just got to let them know where I'm flying and and sort of when I would like to leave or or whatever, which is really nice. Um, And that's the same in Australia. But, yeah, look, um, before this whole pandemic, uh, my schedule was pretty crazy. Um, especially up into May so uh, it was a, like for me I was uh, the first week or so of, of you know being locked down at home I was like oh it's kind of nice to have like a, just a little break from everything and now I'm I'm itching to get back into it so I'm sort of regretting what I said but um, yeah look, look uh, it was it was hectic and I'm, I'm uh, but I'm itching to go again and yeah, thankfully I've got a, a, a really the other team has got a really good travel lady that sorts everything for me. So, cause I'm, I'm terrible with half that stuff. I'm the type of dude that I'll book a flight and I'll, but I'll book it for like, I meant to be two months down the track and I'll actually book it on the day. I actually, you know, I've, I've looked at the flight. Oh, so I'm, a, I'm an idiot. I've, I've done that a number of times, but um, yeah, I'm just an idiot. But
0: anyway, it's all good. You know, it's not, not that bad of a deal. There's, there are some stories, at least here in the U.S., of of drivers in their booking habits and/or mistakes. Whether it was an IndyCar race in Monterey, Mexico, where there's two R's in Monterey, and they booked a flight to Monterey, California. Um, oh no! Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just you know, tardiness—that's not a big deal. Uh, let's go to uh, one from my pal Tim Falkowitz. It says Scott, "What's it like traveling from one end of the world to the other?" Uh, traversing 20 different time zones and he's curious how long does it take to adjust and get acclimated to the new location do you really i was gonna say do you really ever get adjusted if you're going from you know down under to texas (laughs) and back in three or four days
1: uh normally uh, i mean at texas i was uh probably the third last day or second last day i was there that was um I just got my time zone sorted or I wasn't waking up at, at least 4.30 or 5. Um, but, yeah, look, f- my strategy is I jump on uh, the jet. I normally fly it around 11 a.m. Um, out of Australia. Uh, and then I try and li- literally put myself on Eastern time straight away. So if it's, you know, 5 o'clock in the evening in <laughs> Eastern, I'll probably I'll try and watch a few movies till it gets to about 10.00 and then go to sleep, uh, and then ideally, in a perfect world, if I'm not too excited, which didn't happen for Coda because I was too excited I didn't sleep, I um, I normally would try and sleep all the way to probably 5 a.m. Eastern time, and then I get off at Los Angeles, and then you got to, the main thing you got to do when you get to America and you're traveling again on another internet channel flight, you've got to stay up that period between you know, Los Angeles to Charlotte or Los Angeles to New York or, or something like that. So I always, you know, smash a coffee or, you know, like I say, an energy drink sometimes um, just to keep me up. Uh, but it's easier going back to Australia, which has been a blessing in some ways. Going back to Australia, you normally fly at like 11 o'clock in the evening from LA. You're tired. You're already done a big day in America, so you can sort of just yeah pass out and and then you end up uh, I think you land in Australia at like five thirty in the morning. So if you sleep most of that flight, maybe wake up two hours b- before you land.
0: So Scott, part of the uh, part of the fun here as well, folks wanting to know a little bit about the driving side of IndyCar as we get down to the last couple of questions for you. Uh, Daniel Kincaid saying with your limited time behind the wheel, if you found you lean on, more of your teammates in terms of setup direction, or have you found a direction of your own? Also curious if uh, you found driving needs, uh, your driving needs to be anything similar to some of your teammates setup-wise?
1: Yeah, look, uh, initially, uh, obviously the setup we went with was very similar to you know, a generic sort of Penske sort of setup in between everyone. Um, but Coda sort of found myself going another direction to everyone, um not another direction but just just a little bit different or more suited to me so i guess yeah i I sort of went one way myself um i find you know i do like leaning on the front front tire a bit and using the front arrow so i i said from the Coda test that i i i think i was a percent or a percent and a half less than will was with you know the front arrow so i think i could have you know, got a, a little bit more in the front area and that's exactly what I needed. So I'm glad that that, um, you know, that, that my feedback is similar and, and, and sort of where, you know, a guy like Will who's, you know, one of the top guys in IndyCar um, is where he ended up. So that was, a, you know, for me was good because I was a little bit nervous whether I would be having bad habits or something like that. But I do have bad habits. I think I, I don't use the... I'm so used to... Trailing the brake so far into the corner because in the supercar, you got to drive it on the front of the nose and, and keep the brake in for a long, long time. And we don't have any front aero, so we don't just turn the car in and trust the front aero. Um, so it's a bit more of a, from a driver's perspective, where you get your speed from is how long you hold the brake and that technique. And with IndyCar, it's more, all right, you just got to turn it. If you don't have enough front, you ask for more, more front. You know, you've got that tool to do it there. So, that was something that I had to get my head around and and I didn't have that sorted at Sebring and I got it a little bit better at Coda. Um, And I think, uh, yeah, and I'll I'll learn even more now, but just asking for for more front arrow and being more confident with, you know, uh, I can't get through this corner the way I want to. I feel like I can carry the speed, but I just don't have the turn to be able to do it. Well, Jonathan can give that to me. I just need to get that through my head.
0: Uh, Brian, who's at 500 indy 1911 on twitter asks what are some of the main differences you heard about driving an indy car versus what it felt to actually drive an indy car so curious if you had any preconceived notions of what the thing would do once you got behind the wheel and some of the things said nope that's different
1: (laughs) no look uh, the lack of suspension so your back gets sore and all that sort of stuff and especially at sebring and then um no power steering, for sure. That was one thing that that I um, uh, probably uh, needed to get used to. I'd worked on a fair bit with my go-kart in and stuff like that, but uh, nothing really prepares you until you drive. So the forces that go... What I love about this car, and not saying I don't do it in my supercar, but when you're on a lap, on a flying lap, you literally have to manhandle the thing. Like you, It's physically... Uh, physically so tough let alone mentally you know and I think that's so cool what IndyCar is so unique compared to Formula 1 or something like that look I haven't driven a Formula 1 car but some you know they've got the power steering they've got all that sort of stuff where these guys are just warriors you know like they just they just got a manhandle I can't imagine what it would be like, like at Battle Isle or a, you know or something like that where you, you're just up against the fence you're, you're holding your breath because you're trying to hold the, the steering lock on it's um it's awesome. Like it's, uh, I, uh,
0: it's yeah, like being that, that in a fist fight that, with a car.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you, you just, you, you're the things punching you back because you're, you know, you've hit a bump or a curb. You got to try and hold that wheel as steady as you can. And even now, like I'm, I'm, I'll, like, I'm so excited to just have another crack at it. Cause it's so, it's so much fun to drive and so tough, which I, I really enjoy, really enjoy.
0: Another question here. And obviously we're not asking you to confirm anything, Scott, but so we, everybody, had a plan. We had a calendar. These are all the races. Everything's happening as normal. Yeah. Then all oh, of that. me too. Yeah. Then all of that goes away. What has the conversation been like with the team in terms of, hey, I know that we intended for me to race for the first time in early May, but now the calendar is getting thrown around. Do they have any ideas when they might want you to race again, or you just been told, wait and hold, and we'll get back to you.
1: Yeah, I haven't been told um, to wait and hold or anything. I've I've basically done that myself. Um, I just trust the process, you know. I, I you know, they uh, if they they know my intention. I know their intentions. If there is space, because um, not only I've got to align the calendar up with the Supercars calendar um, and the IndyCar calendar, which at the end of the day, Supercars for me comes first. That's my main championship. Um, so if there's any clashes with any IndyCar races, well, I'm done. But if there's none, um, no clashes, uh, which is, you know, supercars haven't put their calendar out yet, so we can't do that. So that's another reason why it's wait and see, but also we've got the IMSA championship that we've got to, um, sort of think about as well, because a lot of my pit crew are from IMSA as well. So, um, uh, it, it's sort of just wait and see where all the calendars align, when this world settles down and gets back into it, and then we'll sort of have a, a bit of an idea where we're at. Um, but like I said, I'm, I haven't gone in guns blazing, blazing going, Roger, when are we doing this? Tim, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? I, I Honestly, I promise I haven't, I haven't said a word. I've just said... These bigger things at hand right now. They've got bigger things to worry about, like a $60 billion company and 66,000 employees that I'm happy to take a back seat for a little bit and know that and, and just be happy that I've got a job and happy that, uh, I'm living my dream. And eventually, hopefully I can extend that and, um, we'll see what happens. But that's, um, yeah, that's been my, uh, philosophy so far. And, and I think it's been really good for my mindset because I've sort of just, not that I've pushed anything away, but I've just been, oh, I'm just going to i-race. I'm going to do the best with what I've got right now. I'm going to try and put myself in you know, the best possible position to win races in i-racing, And that's by working hard, getting up early and all that sort of stuff and, and maybe build my brand before I even drive an IndyCar race. And, and that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. And, and it's been working really good.
0: Have to agree there. I do love the fact that we, among the calendars, we need to make sure the Acura Team Penske crew can look after the Ford Mustang driver in the Dolores Chevy Indy car. So isn't it, isn't it different? We're going to tick all the boxes there, and it's a great question on the topic from our pal Ryan Turpstra who says, "Scott, how do the Blue Oval fans feel about you driving uh, a Chevy <laughs> slash holding an Indy car?" He also says, "Thanks for your Twitch stream. The peek behind the curtains has been awesome." He's also hoping that when you do get to come and race stateside. There might be some merchandise coming along with you as well that folks and fans can buy. <laughs> but uh, you getting any heat from uh, your loyal Ford fans?
1: Oh, look the the diehard Ford fans aren't too happy about a bow tie on my race suit, but um, that kind of bow tie. But uh, look, it's it's a it's a difficult different. It's a different situation. I wouldn't say difficult. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but look. You just got to look at the boss. You got to look at the captain. He has uh, done this for a number of years and had different makes, different brands, different drivers. Um, Longer than we've been alive. Exactly. And so I'm just leaning on Roger for any advice before that. And if he says it's good, I'll push on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. Let's get to two more questions here. Simon Rafi says, Scott, if there was a chance for IndyCar to go racing, in New Zealand, what track do you think would suit the cars the best?
1: Well, <clears throat> that's a good question. Um, I think the new, either the New Hampton Downs, which has just been built, that's about an hour out of Auckland, yeah, uh, which is the uh, main city. That's um, that's a, a cool track. Uh, but if we weren't to go there, you'd honestly, it would be amazing to see IndyCar at Highlands Motorsport Park, which is. Uh, a track down in Queenstown in a beautiful part of New Zealand, or uh, Cromwell. It's about an hour or oh, 40 minutes out of Queenstown. Um, but this, I think it's like 6K, the main layout. I can't remember what it is, but it, it has got every corner um, that you can think of from all over the world, like the bus stop from Spa, the the long right-handers that used to be at the Hockenheim Ring, and... Um, you know, there's, a, there's a, an old track called Iron Park in, in um, Australia that that used to have a bridge, and he's actually put a bridge in there. So you actually go over the bridge, and then you turn a couple of lefts, and then you come back under the bridge. It's a, a phenomenal race circuit, and if we were to race, I'd probably suggest uh, Highlands Motorsport Park for sure.
0: I love it. We need to make this happen.
1: Yeah, it would be uh, amazing.
0: Well, may, I don't know. Maybe we know somebody who runs the IndyCar Series. Might have a little bit of influence there. Uh, yeah, yeah. let's close with a fun one from our man, Brett Ross, who says, Scott, if you were to pick a Penske games event that you would definitely <laughs> win, what would it be? And I also just want to ask how much fun is it looking at what gets done with the Penske games that, that I think seriously, some of the most inspired nonsense, uh, a team has come <laughs> up with in many years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, look, uh, full hats off to Jeremy. Uh, who does that, Troy, and he, uh, he is unbelievable with all that stuff, um, and, and organisations and stuff, and we were lucky to be a part of it a few years ago, but um, I sucked, <laughs> so uh, I'm probably more of an eating game, drinking game type guy, so I sucked at all the Penske, um, Penske stuff, but if there was any, I've always said, I will smash anyone in an eating competition. I can eat some food, and that's why I've had to lose some weight, but I, I reckon I could, if we were having an eating competition or something, that a sponsor had a food product that we had to eat, it doesn't matter what it is, I'd, I'd smash it, I reckon. So if there's ever Penske Games like that, I reckon I'd do that.
0: <laughs> and here we are looking at what is supposed to be the winding down of the Penske Games, I gotta, admit, I gotta give Jeremy a hard time. I have not seen like a, a cursing competition. One, we know that power would win. I mean, yeah. you know, there, there's some, some mildly adult rated versions of that game. I think we could still play here. Well, Scott, Absolutely. thanks thanks for taking some time, my man. I love the fact that despite you have yet to do your first IndyCar race, folks are already plugged into you, man, and can't wait to see it happen. So, as you mentioned about trying to build your brand here in the States. Whatever you're doing it's working so thanks for taking some time here
1: i'm really excited thanks for having me and uh hopefully i'll see everyone soon appreciate it Marshall.
0: and that was our man from new zealand scotty mclaughlin can't wait to get him here in a proper motor race with an indy car good fun with him and yeah he is truly he's just become like one of the fam only so really do appreciate him uh, drinking energy drinks. I don't know what he had to drink. I thought we were going to lose him once or twice from nodding off. And he did actually get a call from Roger Penske in the middle of our conversation. And then the line went absolutely wacky and he sounded like he'd been taken over by robots. So, uh, let him go. And he called back after, I don't know, uh, five minutes or so. And I said, all right, You know, did Roger you to tell you that he's doubling your salary? I mean, that's what we would expect, right? And he said, no. Actually, he was just calling to see how the iRacing practice at Michigan went. And it's just phenomenal, right? Here's the captain, 80-plus years old, running a zillion-dollar corporation, and he just wants to call and check in with his guy to see how a virtual practice session went for those of you who don't know and aren't aware yes Roger is all of those things billionaire captain of industry this that and the other all those things he is still the guy he is still the kid who was taken to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway by his father Julius at the age of whatever it was 8 or 12 or 13 that passionate kid who fell in love with the sport that's the same guy you see today. That's the same guy who wants to call Scotty to see how an iRacing practice session went because he loves this stuff, virtual or real. Uh, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I have such uh, a big soft spot for Roger. Again, we know all the business stuff and he's won the 8,500 million times, all those things, you would expect someone to have done and achieved so much as Roger has to become jaded or, eh, okay, you know, I've been to a thousand motor races. Who gives a fart about this? No, not at all. And so again, just a very hashtag me personally appreciation of the captain. He's one of us. He's the best of us, but he's one of us. And man, just really cool. You know, Scotty was like, oh, uh, I got to take this. Or I'm like, dude, take the call. (laughs) No, sorry, Raj. Can't talk. I'm doing a podcast with that idiot Pruitt. No, take the call. Anyways, so I'm glad he did. And it was just really cool to find out the reason why. So anyways, Thank you again to you and some great questions and a lot of fun that we had with our man here. I have a feeling we're going to be doing this once every couple months with Scotty cause he's just a blast. So buckle in for more of the McLaughlin experience, the uh, McLaughlin report. And yeah, that's about all I got for you this week. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is the Marshall Pruitt podcast brought to you by Cooper tires, the justice brothers, torontomotorsports.com and bell racing helmets usa thank you for listening